Good morning. My name's uh, Sai. Do you uh, remember me? <laughs> Thanks for your prayers for the family. It's, um, they've needed it. Imagine having me with you for seven weeks solidly. I mean, God, they've really needed your prayers over, over the last seven weeks. But no, seriously, thank you for your prayers. It's been a great time. We are feeling refreshed, as you can probably tell. We are feeling uh, uh, renewed in the Lord. We've met, met with him, and we had a nice time as a family without the uh, pressures of uh, leadership, which are there uh, constantly. So um, I'm really excited to be here this morning with you to see what God's going to do with us in this next term, because God wants to do great things through you today. Do you believe that? Amen. Say it to the person next to you. God wants to do great things through you. And he wants to do great things for us as a church as well. It's true. He, as we live under the great commandment, which is to love God and to love our neighbor, and as we live out the great commission to go and make disciples. Interesting that God brought those words earlier, wasn't it? Uh, of all nations, we're going to see God do great things amongst us. Hallelujah. Now, during, as Anna mentioned, during the sabbatical, we did visit some other churches to uh, seek God and to see what we could learn from other places as well, which is always good to do. And you'll be pleased to know that actually God has not given us a, a blinding revelation of a, this is the way things should be done or a new name or a new change of direction or new leadership or anything uh, like that. Now, actually... What there was, was this repeated confirmation from the Holy Spirit. This repeated uh, affirming, actually, of we're on the right track as a church. That the changes that the Spirit of God has been making in us and stirring up with, within us, within uh, all of us, is actually God preparing us for the new season that he has got for us, a season of fruitfulness. I don't know if you remember the word that we had back in March 2021. Uh, it might come back to mind as I uh, read it to you now. It was a picture of a door that we as a church were about to go through, a door into a new season of fruitfulness, abundant fruit. Be ready to press into this season. It's not just something that, you know, is going to happen. We should be ready to press into it. After this, there was another season coming, still fruitful. We're not going back to being unfruitful, but fruitful with hostility alongside it. So we need to disciple the believers to stand firm. And actually, it's largely in response to that word that we had back then, that uh, the preaching series has been shaped. And this new preaching series starting next week on Thessalonians is based, uh, we, we, we chose those books because the fact that the Thessalonians, as they grew rapidly, came under hostility and they continue to grow despite the hostility that they faced. 
So that's, that's why we're looking at Thessalonians uh, as, a, as a church over the coming months. But there are three things that God spoke to me about uh, quite clearly during my sabbatical. And um, I'm going to bring them to you this morning because I think they're for all of us. You're aware of uh, many three-letter acronyms that uh, you get, like the NHS, LED, PMT, SAD, SAD. Uh, well, today, I'm going to introduce you to PSF, Prayer, Spirit, and Fruit. That's the three things that I want to look at with us this morning. Prayer being the first one. One of the things I did uh, during my sabbatical was, in order to hear from God, was I read through the New Testament twice over, over the seven weeks. And what it highlighted to me as I went through the New Testament is how Jesus and his apostles made time to pray, even if you like limiting the good works that they were doing in order to not neglect the better work of spending time with their heavenly father speaking to him that's what prayer is if you're not familiar with prayer it's basically talking with God seeking his will seeking his direction his blessing on what he has called us to do you know there's revival breaking out in Capernaum, everybody's looking for Jesus. They want to be healed by him. They want to see him do a miracle. And yet he sneaks out early in the morning to be alone with his heavenly father. The disciples, when they eventually find him, say, everyone's looking for you in town. Where, where have you gone? The great things are happening here. He says, the father is taking me on to preach in other towns. As well, you can see it there in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. In Acts chapter 6, you can see the apostles of, uh, of Jesus in obedience to God and trying to work out um, what Jesus taught them to be servants of all people who were there, waiting on tables, serving as willing slaves, if you like, the early church of, of God. Yet the problem is the church has grown to such a, a size. They can't maintain that as uh, be the main people responsible for that and continue in the ministry that God had given them of the word and of prayer. And so copying Jesus' example again, they don't neglect prayer. They say, no, we need to focus on prayer. We'll raise some other people up to oversee that important work. What about you, my friends, this morning? What about you with prayer? How's your prayer life? If you were to ask my discipleship group about our times of confession, well, they wouldn't tell you anything because they're all men of discretion. Well, hopefully they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell you uh, anything that's going on there. But as I'm telling you, they could confirm the fact that actually this is something that I felt challenged, at earlier, challenged on earlier in the year and had to confess that actually I needed to spend more time praying and seeking God. For often I let the pressure of what was sometimes you know, good and godly work squeeze out prayer time. And actually the Bible calls that sin. 
It calls it the sin of presumption, that you're presuming on God and his blessing rather than seeking him for his will and being obedient to what God has for you. And I've been addressing that. What about you, my friends? What are you going to carve out of your time? We've heard it, actually, again this morning, to, uh, to make time for prayer. You will have to cut things out. It doesn't just happen. You have to cut things out in order to focus on prayer and to focus, to give God time in your life. There's no more important work that you have to do than prayer. And there's no greater privilege that you have as a child of God than prayer. Coming into the living God's presence, knowing that he's going to hear you, knowing that you have access, that you can come with boldness before the king of the universe and he will listen to you. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, doesn't he? When you go into your room and pray, your father in heaven sees. God sees when we pray. Oswald Sanders, in his book, Spiritual Leadership, says, Prayer is indeed the Christian's vital breath and native air. William Law, in his book, an old book, A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life, says, Prayer is the divinest exercise that the heart of man can engage in. You know, next Sunday, we begin our week of prayer. God is calling us as individuals to be devoted to prayer, but also corporately to give ourselves to praying and seeking him in this season. Can I encourage you? Let's make every effort to be at those meetings, all the ones that we can be at. And as I said, you may have to carve things out. Say, actually, no, I need to cut that out so I can be at what is more important by seeking God together. Each one of those meetings should be full of us. Uh, it should be full of loads of us from the church seeking God together. But my friends, it's not just about making time in your busy schedule of life. It's also about making room in your minds as well to pray. You see, the Bible tells us that we should be constant in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Praying at all times, not some of the time, at all times in the Spirit. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray without ceasing. As well as making sure that we take time to focus on prayer, which is important, Actually, our mind should be constantly drawn back to prayer as well. As we go about our daily lives and our works, we should be praying in our heads, sometimes praying out loud, praying for people, sometimes praying with people. And say, oh, can I just pray for you in that situation? That sounds terrible. Seeking God's will for our lives, seeking his blessing on the decisions that we're making and the choices we're making in our workplace as well as other things that we're doing. You see, one of the dangers of the modern age that we live in is that we are constantly bombarded and entertained by media in particular. So our minds are always filled with things. Sometimes, yes, it's good things. Often, it's not 
good things, but even too many good things, if you like, can squeeze out the better thing, the thing that the Bible tells us, tells us to do, which is pray. Limit these things. As I say, carve them out and carve out space in your mind to not just be constantly being fed things, but so you can spend time praying and seeking God and committing things to God as well. Pray in the Spirit and pray for the Spirit. The Spirit being the second area that I really feel God wants to uh, speak to us about as well. Again, as you go through the New Testament, it's interesting to see, isn't it, that Jesus and his apostles, their ministry was full of the Holy Spirit's power at work in them, through them, and touching the lives of other people around them. The gospel starts with the activity of the Holy Spirit when there'd been a 400-year period of silence. John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the one who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is anointed at his baptism, and his ministry is full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Before he goes to the cross, Jesus says to his disciples, look, it's better that you, I'm going, I'm leaving you, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you when, I, uh, when I'm up in glory with my Father in heaven. And then, just before he died on the cross for our sins and was raised again to life for, so that all those who surrender their life to, to him can be saved from God's judgment to come. Just before he goes to heaven, after he's, after he's died and uh, uh, rose again, he says to them, wait until you receive power from on high, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The apostles were transformed as they were filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for and to witness for Jesus. Hallelujah. They, go, they went about performing miracles, healings, seeing other demonstrations of the Spirit's power break in. You see, my friends, the Spirit should be the defining mark of a Christian. It's not what we wear. It's not uh, what we look like. It's the Holy Spirit. Moses could say to God in one of his prayers, he says, if your spirit does not go with us, don't send us on, because what else makes us distinct from every other people on the earth? The Apostle Paul, when he arrived in Ephesus, straight away notices, hang on a sec, you're calling yourself believers, you're calling yourself disciples, but something's not right here. You haven't got the Holy Spirit amongst you. So he corrects that. No wonder it's in the book to uh, those in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, where he writes, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Thessalonians, he writes, don't quench the Spirit of God. My friends, we should be seeking the Spirit. We should be a people of the Spirit of God. It's, you know, each week we encourage you here to feel, be filled afresh with. 
the Holy Spirit. We encourage you in your daily prayer lives to be praying, God, fill me afresh with your spirit today. I need more of you. Each week, actually at the end of the meeting, we make space for people to be prayed for, for healing or for the spirit to break through in situations that you're going through. That's normal Christian life or should be the normal Christian life. And we're going to continue to press into these things as a church more and more in this season. And I'm encouraging you as well to, in this season, be stepping out, following the Spirit's lead and expecting Him to work through you in power. Be stepping out with your work colleagues, with your neighbours, offering to pray for them, to see healing, to see breakthrough in the situations that they're going through. When they're going through trouble, offer to pray that God will resolve it for them. Because the Bible tells us, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And by that, Paul means the Holy Spirit moving. He writes elsewhere, for we know, brothers, loved of God, that he has chosen you. Why? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. My friends, in this season, can I encourage you to be stepping out in the Holy Spirit, in faith, expecting him to be working through you in great power. Let's be devoted to prayer. Let's be bold in stepping out in the Holy Spirit. And finally, the Spirit wants to produce fruit in us as well. Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. Not a little fruit, not just some fruit, much fruit. And there are three areas of fruit that I believe God is wanting to increase amongst us. Firstly, personally, in your character, the godly character, if you like. It's part of being filled with the Spirit that the Holy Spirit will produce the fruits of the Spirit in you. Clues in the, in the name, they're fruit of the Spirit. He wants to produce a godly character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And faithfulness as well, I forgot to mention that one. The Spirit helps also put to death in us things like sexual immorality that can be in our thinking. And that, just to be clear, Bible's clear, that's any sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman. Idolatry, envy, fits of anger. God is trying to put, the, the Spirit will put all, all these things to death in us. Coarse language, drunkenness, and divisiveness. Galatians 5 is clear. And we've heard that this morning about being holy to God. He's wanting to produce that in us in a deeper way. Sometimes God, in his grace, almost seems to allow us to go through seasons where we're a bit lax in some of these areas. God has said, no, 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 I want my people to be holy in this season. Secondly, 
Part of the fruit that the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in you is the fruit of a holy life in other people through you, through those that you are discipling as well. Funnily enough, we've heard that this morning as well, haven't we? A mature Christian, you see, understands that he is called to make disciples. Make disciples who become more like Jesus and go on to make disciples as well. It's there in the Great Commission for us all to see. Paul frequently in his letters, you notice as you read through the New Testament, he writes it several times, I I did this as an example for you to copy. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm sending you Timothy, I'm sending you Titus to remind you of my way of life. He writes to Timothy, just a bit before the verses Ken read earlier, what you have heard from me in the presence of of many witnesses in trust to faithful men or women who will be able to teach others also. There's that passing on. I tell you, right across the church of God, around the world at the moment, there's an increasing push and focus on discipleship, helping people become mature in Christ. You know, and we by the Spirit of God, have already been led uh, down this, this path and are, are pressing into it more and more. We've uh, produced a, a pack like this to help you in the discipleship process that's actually easily adaptable. It's holistic in that it focuses not just on one area, but on, on several areas. You can show the pack should appear and the next slide as well. Uh, on, on several Areas giving a holistic approach to discipleship. It will help you take a new believer and ground them in the, the basic stuff of faith. It will help you take someone who's growing in faith and help them to see their life in the context of what God is doing across Scripture and across history as well. And then it will take mature believers still and help us mature to grow more and more like Jesus in knowledge and in character. Not to overburden you as a church, because it's one of the things that we learned through COVID, wasn't it? One of the reasons why God may have allowed it as well. Um, One of the, the many things, we don't know all what was going on there, but was, so not to overburden you, we've included it in the program of church life as well. So can I encourage you to not, fall behind the curve of what the Spirit of God is doing, not just amongst us. As I say, this is, these things are going on right around the, the church of God, around the globe at the moment, an increased focus on discipleship between believers. So I encourage you to be in a discipleship group or to be leading a discipleship group. Thirdly, and the final area of fruit that I believe God's wanting to produce in us is the fruit of of salvation. God wants to use all of us in seeing fruit, in seeing other people saved. Now, I don't know about you, but love, I love hearing stories of John Wesley preaching and seeing, you know, 30,000 people saved. Love seeing stories and, and even seeing videos of Billy Graham preaching and seeing thousands of people respond, sometimes 10,000. And praise God, we want that. 
We want to see that happen more and more and hear of those missions where they see staggering numbers of people turning to Jesus. But just, just bear with me a second on this. Say we ran a mission here in Helsham and uh, we saw 10,000 people turn to Christ every day. Slightly difficult as we've only got 30,000 people in town, but you know, bear, bear with me. Bear with me. People flocking in to, 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 to hear. Praise God. In a year, we would see 3.65 million people turn to Jesus. In 10 years, we'd see 36.5 million people turn to Jesus, half the population of the UK. In 100 years, you'd see the population of Europe reached for Jesus. And in a thousand years, you'd see half the world's population reached for Jesus, if we carried on like that. But God, we want, we want that, my friends. We want to see those events where we're seeing thousands of people saved. But God wants to change our thinking, because there is no superstars in the kingdom of God apart from Jesus Himself. It's about each disciple. It's about you and me playing our part in the kingdom of God. Plus, also, I don't want to wait a thousand years for, for Jesus to, to come back. Well, we wouldn't be here, would we? But, uh, uh, but say you saw, let's just start with you. Say you saw one person saved this year and you discipled them. And then next year, the two of you saw two people saved. So there's four, and so on. In 10 years, we'd have 512 believers because of what God is doing through you. Praise God. But it's not as impressive as the previous stat, is it? Well, in 20 years, that would be roughly half a million people respond to Jesus. And still not anywhere as impressive, but you can see where this is going. If you continue to double like that, in 30 years, you'd see half a billion people respond to Jesus. And in 34 years, you'd see more people than there are on the world respond to Jesus. Hence, in less than 34 years, that could be the job done and Christ's return. And in fact, it could be quicker, can't it? Because the job's not, the response for people is between them and God. Our job is to preach the gospel to other people. So my friends, stop waiting for somebody else to do the job. Share your faith. God wants to use you. I'm, I'm talking years now. Imagine God wanted to do that in his sovereignty in months. Imagine we changed that instead of years and, uh, and made it months. Then that's less than three years that would uh, be done. That, that, my friends, is why the early church and why you see in the New Testament, they had the expectation of Jesus is returning at any moment. Jesus could return soon because They weren't looking for some superstars to do it over here. God was working through ordinary believers. They don't even know how many of the churches that Paul writes to got got established. 
Because God was at work, and God wants to use each one of us. So my challenge to us as a church, as we focus on and devote ourselves to prayer and to being filled with the Spirit and following his lead, is that over the next year, before next September, let's be praying that God gives you, each one of us, the joy of seeing one person turn to Jesus and to give their life to Jesus. I encourage you to commit yourself to praying, God, I want to see one person saved. And you can pray several names that God brings to mind. But just pray that God uses you to save one person. doesn't matter if they're here in Helsham. They could be somewhere else in, uh, in the world as well. But uh, you know, our God is a global God. Let's, let's commit ourselves to do that. We're already in this building, you know, around you know, the, the nine-year mark of 256. So that's 25 years left if, we, if God does that and we begin to grow and uh, multiply in that way. Yeah, you might not be here in 25 years, Paul, but some of us might be, hopefully. <laughs> but you could help us uh, along the way. Thanks for that. <laughs> so my friends. Let's get praying. Let's get inviting people to Alpha. What an opportunity for people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But don't just wait for Alpha. Get sharing the gospel. Actually, it's one of the reasons why even today I squeezed the gospel message in there, if you heard it. That's why I share it every time. It's so it's fresh in your thinking so that you know how to share the gospel with people with your friends because God wants to use you and he wants to use me and let's pray earnestly that he will use us this year just to see one person each of us one person saves so my friends this is going to be a season in God of prayer of the spirit's power and of fruit amen amen can I invite you to stand I'm going to invite the band to come back up here as well I'm just going to pray that God's Spirit would move upon us afresh this morning, that we would be filled afresh with His Spirit, because actually, ultimately, it's His work in us that we, that we allow Him to do, that we're open to Him to do, and we need that fresh filling from the Holy Spirit. So if you feel comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you to receive afresh from the Spirit of God this morning. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna want to meet with you. He's going to want to fall on you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love us, Lord God. Thank you that the Spirit and the Bride say, come back, Lord Jesus. We want you to return. It's the Spirit's desire. So the Spirit has been poured out on his church to make us more like Jesus and to get the job done so that Jesus can return. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill each one of us afresh this morning. Lord, each person in this room, Lord, I just pray that you would meet with them. Whatever they're going through, Lord God, that you would just be with them. Thank you that you're the comforter. Thank you that you're the counselor. Thank you that you're our encourager, our strengthener, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that you would come and have your way amongst us, Lord God. And I pray that you would do a deep work in our hearts this morning. Lord God, thank you that you want to use each person here 
to share the good news of Jesus. You want to work through them and see their friends, their family, their neighbors, their work colleagues saved. Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us. Help us to give ourselves to you. Fill us afresh, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Spirit is here. And he wants, to, he wants you to press into all that God has got for you so that he can reward you as well. It's one of the great things. God reward, As we step out in obedience, God rewards us for that obedience. It talks about us getting, getting crowns in, in heaven as well, whether that's metaphorical or, or real, I don't know. But actually, when we get them, we will be throwing them at the feet of Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did. Thank you. You are worthy of it, not, not me. And we're, we're here this morning to crown him with many crowns. That's what we're going to go out. We're going to sing this song of crown him with many crowns as a triumphal praise as we go out of here, knowing that God wants to use you and me to do great things for him. Amen.